the return of the midweeks. Welcome back to the Midweeks, friends. I want to continue our journey through the book of 1 Samuel. Now, you may remember we're looking at this story through certain perspectives, particularly through the formation of the kingdom of Israel, the lives of the early kings, uh, some character studies, especially faith and unbelief seen in the lives of people, so that we can see faith and unbelief in our own lives reflected in them, as well as the most important stuff, seeing God's character on display as he works in history and reveals himself through his actions. And one of the big things I'm saying is that if you wanted a theme for this entire book, it would be God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And if you wanted to make it even a bit clearer, you'd say God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble as seen in how he forms the kingdom of Israel through the early kings. But we're not looking at kings yet. We're looking at a family, a broken family, but a family with faith-filled people in this broken family. And they're going to launch the life of the last judge of Israel, Samuel, who this book is named after. And Samuel is going to anoint the first two kings over Israel. And last time we looked at Hannah's life and how this all started with Elkanah and the other wife, Penina, and how their lives were expressing faith or not. And so now today we're going to end off of chapter one and begin chapter two. And we're going to look at the early days of Samuel's life, as well as talk about Hannah's song. So first we'll talk about the giving of Samuel to Eli the fulfillment of the promise. You'll remember that Hannah promised that if God gave her a son, she would give that son back to God. And then there is an extended poem put into the lips or from the lips of Hannah, really explaining the theme of the book. So let's, I'll just read and make some comments. Verse 21, the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. Now, remember last time I was saying what counts in Elkanah's favor is that he is a faithful worshiper of God. Whatever else he's doing wrong, the two wives not being able to really solve the problem, some prayerlessness, he is a faithful worshiper. He's doing God's will to have an annual um, pilgrimage to the tabernacle to worship God and also to pay his vows. So what would happen in the life of a faithful Israelite is along the way, they might have situations and they might make vows similar to what Hannah did, where they would say, God, if you'll hear my prayer, I will bring you a sacrifice at the yearly offering time. And Elkanah is faithful when he promises God he's going to do something to give thanks and show honor to him. He shows up to do it. And this is one of those things in ancient Israel where unrighteous people showed their unrighteousness by not keeping their vows to God. They vowed something to God, God would answer maybe their prayers, and then they wouldn't do their part of showing honor and giving thanks by fulfilling the vow. So this really, again, shows Elkanah's faith in God, that he's steadfastly going to the temple. The problem is, is that Hannah is not going because she's taking care of the baby. She doesn't want to give Samuel up yet. So verse 22, but Hannah did not go up for she said to her husband, as soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you've weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. 
So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. Okay, so we have a change of story here. Remember, Hannah used to go up with the family year after year, and it would just be this big problem with Penina. Now that she's a child, she's not going up because... And it's really interesting. She kind of knows, like, the next time I go to the temple, I have to give it this child, and so I'm going to keep him and breastfeed him until he's mature enough. And she's decided that when he's old enough to not require breastfeeding anymore, that's when she she says he's going to be old enough to give him up. And so still faithful. You could be at this point in the story saying, well, is Hannah going to keep her part of the, the deal? Or is she going to keep her promise to the Lord? That question mark, maybe a small question mark is there, but um, but we have this point. And then we have Elkanah, again, I think doing a good job here, showing his faith. He says, yep, he leaves it up to her, whatever seems best to you, wait that long. And then he has this very gentle reminder of the importance of keeping your promises to God. He says, only may the Lord establish his word. And I see see in that him having a gentle reminder, let's remember that God gave you, God gave us a miracle son, and that you promised to give him back. God's done his part, and may he fulfill all of it by helping you fulfill your part. I think that's what's going on here. And it's this is a good lesson here. You know, many people talk about the oppressive patriarchy of the Old Testament. And you know what? It was a patriarchy. However, you can live in a culture that isn't quote-unquote a patriarchy and have men who are terrible husbands, controlling, cruel, and mean. And here we have Elkanah with all his faults. He really does respect Hannah's points. Elkanah respects Hannah's decision here about how long to keep the son. And he gently calls her to persist in her faith in the Lord. This is a really great little moment. And again, when you're reading Old Testament stories, these moments where people are talking, where you get quotations of, of them, they're usually meant to reveal what's actually in their heart. Unless it's some, some pretty obvious from reading the story that they're lying, and then it's meant to reveal they're lying. This one sentence here may have actually encapsulated in real life a whole conversation or something like that, but they're they're just trying to boil this down to the bones. They're trying to just give you the most important stuff. What sentence best encapsulates Elkanah's husbanding of this situation? And it's this. He respects her choice, and he calls her to show her faith by persisting in faithfulness. And I think that's beautiful. Well done, Elkanah. And so Hannah is kind of given permission to not participate in the annual treks up to the temple, which was part of their family worship, but to stay back in faith, nursing the child until the right time. Wonderful. And it's such a great encouragement that sometimes you can change your routine with the Lord in faith. Amen. Verse 24, and when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull and an ephra flower and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. Okay, so they've come. Now is the year to um, present the child as a gift, and they come with gifts. They sacrifice the bull. And I'm not sure if the flower and the wineskin are part of their worship or if it's a gift for Eli. It doesn't really explain, but they come as worshipers bearing gifts to the Lord, thankful for um, God hearing their prayer, even though they're also giving the Lord this child for service. 
in his temple. So they're coming to really honor God at great personal expense, which is how sacrifice works. Um, that's how worship works. If it costs you nothing, it probably means nothing when it comes to worship. So they slaughtered the bull, they brought the child to Eli, and it's just, there's that one little line there, and the child was young. It reminds us that this probably, he's not a teenager, he's probably in his single digits of life. It doesn't say exactly how how old. Some people think that the hint of a three-year-old bull is maybe that Samuel was also three. I don't know about that, but he was young and his mother has just weaned him and now she's giving him up. So this would be very hard for her emotionally, but they're coming to be self-sacrificial worshipers. They're coming to really humble themselves. And she comes and talks to Eli and says, oh my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I'm the woman who's standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I pray, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. So here's this, this moment of entrusting the child back to, to the Lord through granting him to Eli. So here she's fulfilling her part of her prayer. And it's really interesting because in verse 28, when it starts talking about having lent him to the Lord, that word lent, as far as I remember, is the word Shaul, which is the name Saul. So there's almost this, this weird hint of Samuel's relationship with Saul coming up because mom says, I've sauled Samuel to the Lord. His whole life, he sold to the Lord. And Samuel, whose name means the Lord has heard, is going to make Saul, the Lent one, the king, coming up in many chapters later. So there's a bit of a foreshadowing going on with this word play here. And so um, Samuel worships there. And then we, we transition in chapter two to this long poem of Hannah's. And this whole poem is all about shifting social statuses based on faith. And really, this is a poem about how God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Now, remember, in Hannah's own life, Panina was the proud one. She had many children, and she was proud, and she was willing to mock her barren sister wife, whatever you want to call it. And Hannah was the humbled one who had no children, she's the one in lowly station, but by further humbling herself and going in prayer and saying, Lord, I would like a child, and even humbling herself to promise to give it to the Lord, and then humbling herself even further and giving this one son she has to God, which would be very humbling, fulfilling her promises there. She is given this song, this prayer song, this prayer poem of exalting in God who does this, who opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And this song coming to us so early in the book of Samuel kind of stands as the overture of the book. So when you go to one of these big blockbuster movies, they start playing like the hero's theme songs right at the beginning. And so you might know like the Avengers theme song or Captain America's theme song or something like this. And or like when you start a video game, there's the video game theme song. This is the theme song of the book of Samuel. This God who opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble, who lowers the, the high and raises up the lowly, and who rules over the earth. And that this theme is, a, is how God is reigning 
through his people and over his people. And it's, it's just awesome that this theme song is put into the mouth of a barren woman who prayed. This is who she is. This is her greatness. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, and there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more. So very proud. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. So you hear that there's this this rebuking of pride for the Lord is a God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed. So he, he engages in life. He, he knows what's going on and he justly rules over things. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. So here's these, these going to be these pairs of strength and weakness and how God turns things around. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. The Lord brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust and he lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillar of, so, okay, so I'll stop there. This is in verse eight. You hear, you just hear Hannah just singing, God is in control if you're high or low. He decides and he's in the business of examining human history and raising up the lowly who have faith in him, who are humble and show their, their faith through their humility. And he is in the business of bringing down the proud who are in a high place. And this is this song of worship towards God's holiness and his goodness and his power in that he can do that and he does do this. And then she begins to explain why he could do this. Because the pillar of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces, and against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. And we'll just end there. But it's a bit of a curveball that this psalm would go to talking about the kingship. The kingship hasn't really come up in this story, and the kingship is even going to be... Um, a complicated birthing as like a bad thing, but also somewhat of a good thing that becomes a God thing. But it's so interesting that in this song, she begins to like prophetically foretell that God is going to raise up a king as part of his judgment over all the earth. And this king is going to be a king of humility raised up. And that but the kingship is also going to involve pride brought low. And so this is the theme of the book. This is the overture of the book sung from a humble woman's heart as she gives up her miracle son to worship for the Lord. And this is the heart of worship of this book for God. Why is God amazing? Because he rules over everything. He sees everything and he's in the business of opposing the proud and giving grace to the humble as he establishes a kingship in Israel and works this character out in the lives of people. All right. So that's Samuel. Hannah sings, um, be blessed. And you know what? Test your own heart. Do you believe that God is the God that opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble? And where do you see your faith needing to grow in embracing humility and patiently waiting for God to raise you up?
This was Hannah's experience, and she's worshiping him because she experienced this. And this is going to be the experience of everybody in this book. And we're going to continue to see this as we go on from here. All right, God bless. I hope you are having a great week. And uh, we'll see you next time.